introduce myself. I am C3PO, human cyborg relations. And you are? Okay, that's going to be a problem. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 365, Skywalker Arise. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Poe Dameron to my fin, because, I mean, we're friends for life here, folks. We have Carl LeClaire. Hey, Jason, my friend. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, I love that comparison. That's perfect. Yes. Perfect. And sadly, we're without our Ray yet again this episode. Katie, as we said last uh, last time we recorded, um, has been just flew flew across the country to be with family for the holidays. So Katie, unfortunately, couldn't be with us again today. But we wanted to put out another episode, just talking a little bit more about the movie now that we've seen it another time or two, um, and just talk about yes. the things that really worked for us. Uh, you know, I still there's still some things that really don't work for me, which I'm sure we'll get into and. There's a lot of things that really do work for me, so I'm just excited to talk more about this movie that's been quite the feast of the eyes, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, it is definitely a feast for the eyes. It is a visual smorgasbord, um, <laughs> as they say. Um, oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there, there's definitely a lot of stuff in this movie, um, and, and I know uh we had some some things we were talking about last time but is there anything we want to get to before we jump right into the movie uh the only thing i'd like to do is uh just again whenever there's a new star wars movie um as we know jason we tend to have some new folks tuning into the show just to get yeah. multiple you know takes and views on you know the new star wars movie so if if you are in that camp if you are someone who's listening for the first time or second time or third time welcome to the wampas lair we're glad you are uh, taking time out of your busy day to to be with us and listen to us just geek out on this new Star Wars movie. Um, and even if you're someone who's been with us since the beginning, obviously, just as welcome to you. And uh, we're just glad to have you all with us. So, um, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, we really appreciate you uh, giving us your time because we know there are hundreds of other podcasts that you could be filling your time with. So, <laughs> Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so to you, we say thank you. (laughs) Babu Frick is very happy you're here. (laughs) Um, Carl is very happy about Babu Frick. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, he is adorable. I, so I actually, I'd like to tell a quick little story to start the show. Okay. So I went, um, I've now seen the movie four times. I know you've seen it twice. Yes. Um, and it's really funny. Each time I've gone, um, I've gone with a different group of friends, which has been um, really, really fun. And uh, this last time I went, I just went um, on Sunday. Yeah, I went on Sunday 
with three of my closest friends and one of my friends um, is pregnant. So me and my other friends immediately took to talking, talking about her new baby and naming it Babu Frick. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it, cause like, it just made sense. We all love Babu Frick. So we're like, Oh, how's little Babu Frick doing in there? Um, which was, which was a lot of fun. And I just, you know, it's, it's what's really neat. And the thing that I'm really appreciating about this movie, all, you know, all criticisms or reactions and analysis aside, the thing that I've loved already about this movie is the people I've got to share it with. And I think, um, you know, no matter where you fall on on your like or dislike of this of this particular movie, um, I hope that you can at least enjoy the people you get to see it with or in, enjoy the experience of just seeing Star Wars on the big screen. I think, you know, um, Rise of Skywalker is certainly not my favorite Star Wars movie, um, but this has been some of the most fun I've ever had seeing a Star Wars movie in theaters because of the people I've been getting to see it with. So that's leaving a very indelible mark on me and, and, and just making me appreciate the movie more because I get to experience it with so many people that are so, so close to me. Um, so yeah. And, uh, you know, four years ago with force awakens, um, you know, at that time, I remember obviously all of us were so excited to go see a new Star Wars movie on the big screen and um, I had a you know a, a partner in my life at the time who I loved getting to share that with, and she held me as I sobbed uncontrollably every single time Han Solo died. Oh yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert! And you know, it's so it's so neat that now four years later, I I was there with some of my closest friends, and um, oh yeah, real quick, spoilers ahead because I was about to say one. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, spoilers. if you've still not it's- seen Episode Nine, don't listen any further. Um, right, right. Unless you don't care about spoilers. Um, right. But yeah, we're going to spoil the absolute, the ever living heck out of this movie. The ever living Mustafar out of this movie. Yes, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, now four years later, sitting there um, with some of my closest friends, when every time Han showed up on the screen, I immediately started tearing up to different degrees of how hard I was crying. <laughs> um, and this last time I went, one of my, one of my best friends was just like right there to like affirm me in that, that moment. And I was like, wow, like friends can do this for you too. Like it's, I just feel very blessed with the, the people in my life and it's made me enjoy this movie so much more. So I just wanted to say that at the top of the show, I know that's a bit personal, but um, you know, that's certainly one thing that has really helped me just to enjoy the movie. All of my critiques and dislike aside i've I've really been enjoying seeing the movie with the people i've seen it with that that's awesome and that's a really great perspective because um for so many people uh especially people that you know in our circles since we've we've been to some of the the celebrations and things like that star wars really is as much as it is about you know the the movies and the characters and the themes and all this stuff um about the movie it's it's also um you know equally about as much about the people that we are sharing it with and the people that we've met and and become friends with along the way. I mean, you and I would have never met if it hadn't been for Star Wars and uh you know, we <laughs> we have a podcast, you know, we have had a podcast for now over 8 years, Carl, just you mm-hmm. and I, uh and been so great to have Katie join us, but you know, it, it's a great perspective to remember that, you know, this is this is more than just you know, a movie and more than just, you know, getting to the, the conclusion of this nine episode story arc, uh, with the Skywalker uh, story. Um, it's also, you know, another, another 
avenue and another excuse to go see Star Wars on the big screen with the people that have been along this journey with you. And if, if you are lucky enough to have those people who live in the same city as you, fantastic. If not, you know, get online or immediately, you know, or somehow with immediately afterwards with friends uh, that you can share your your love of it with or perhaps your complaints of it with because, you know, there are definitely people on both sides on this one. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that seems to have been the case really the whole Disney era. <laughs> really. Fair. The, the only the only movie that hasn't had any real heavy criticism thrown at it in one way, shape, or form is Rogue One. From from my experience, but everything else has had something. You know, the yeah. people with Force Awakens. Oh, it's just a new hope again. Um, obviously, Last Jedi. People with Solo, and now obviously with this, which which is sad. I mean, it's just in in, in endemic of our times. We seem to live in a culture that is just. Much better at yelling at each other than listening to each other. (laughs) Not that there aren't legitimate criticisms of this movie, because there absolutely are. But it's the way that people are doing it that I have issue with. Um, You know, but and and to be fair, um, Katie has had some issues with this movie and we'd love to get her on the show. You know, whenever she's back in (laughs) in her hometown and able to. Uh, you know, get online with us. We really would like to get her thoughts on it so we can kind of walk through her her issues with this because it's not a perfect movie. Nope. We know that. Um, but we also, you know, want to share what we did like about it too. So it's yeah. it's not a one or the other thing. <laughs> there. Right, right. You can, you know, have issues and still like the movie. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Um, All right. There's a question I've been thinking about specifically for you, um, the last couple of days. So, um, you know, Palpatine's back, right? Yes. He is back. Palpatine is your favorite villain in all of movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, you know, you've always loved him from the prequels on. Yep. How do you feel like he works? Right. Because there's a... this tends to be the thing that people have the most hangups on. And this is my biggest hangup too. So um, I, I loved the, I love the idea of Palpatine being back. I don't think it works in this movie. It it feels forced to me. So I'm just curious what you think as, you know, such a big Palpatine guy. Oh, um, I'll put it this way. If we're looking strictly at the films, it's very jarring. Mm. It's extremely jarring and a bit like WTF. Where did this come from? Um, if you have been reading or following any of the, the novels and some of the, the expanded material, it's less surprising because uh, especially the aftermath trilogy really kind of gives an idea that Palpatine had plans post, you know, his death and really ha- had a very firm hand in the direction the Empire took and the rise of the First Order, um, you know, at least initially uh, as, a, as a way to kind of keep people's attention so that nobody found out about what he was doing with the the final order, as he calls it, in the Rise of Skywalker, um, 
the ability to come back in the way that he did is interesting. Um, and it's not fully explained. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the book yet, but I have on very good authority, and I flipped through the book, the the visual guide. There is absolutely nothing mm. in the visual guide about Palpatine uh, whatsoever. Uh, there aren't even any pictures of him in the book whatsoever, which I think is a bit of a misstep uh, on their part. Uh, that's uh, – that's what people really want information about, unless, of course, they're going to be giving us, you know, some other material that is going to explain all of that, mm-hmm. uh, which they better at some point. Um, it's the explanation that they give, you know, cloning, Sith alchemy, that kind of thing is enough of a broad enough topic to cover how he came back, but it's not fulfilling enough and not um, specific enough to really give us any concrete, you know, answer. Um, it, it's broad enough and and wide enough to cover, you know, what happened, but it's not anything specific enough to really give us a good reason for for this thing um i i have honestly you know after a second viewing um it's still that explanation still doesn't quite cover everything because he doesn't seem like he's fully alive until he takes the life force from ray and kylo at the end um, he seems to be some sort of animated cadaver, uh, which is a, a little bizarre. Um, I think what he does in the movie works as Palpatine, but mm. the explanation of how he still gets there is still uh, too nebulous, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I I kind of just accept it at this point to say, okay, he's here. Let's move on um, at this point because we don't have all the information yet. And I'm hoping we will get that at some point soon because it needs to be soon in order to really kind of put this issue to bed. Yeah. Um, but uh, at this point, I'm like, all right, well, the idea that we've gotten – um, in a lot of the comics and and other ancillary materials, that after he took over in Order sixty six, Palpatine became quite a recluse. He was seen only sparingly as emperor, um, and the uh, the idea um, is that he delved deep into the dark side of the force and, and that sort of thing to uncover secrets. And so the idea that he's discovered something in order to, you know, you know, have this happen is not, uh, you know, out of the realm of possibility, but we don't have that story. We don't have that information and we didn't have an explanation in the movie that was, uh, satisfying enough to, to assuage everyone's concerns about it. There was enough to sort of say, yeah, he figured something out. Great. What did he figure out? 
is the question now, but which is what we've been asking. So I can totally understand how it doesn't work for people. Um, I can see where there's plenty of room for him to figure something out, but we don't have anything concrete or specific um, to to really hang our hat on in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I, I mean, to to be fair, though, I also just love the fact that he's back, and so I kind of forgive it. A little bit, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. I, I am a little biased in this. <laughs> uh, I will admit that um, because he is my favorite villain ever. So uh, I, I I will take another palp- another round of Palpatine. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I can definitely see where where people are, would have issues with that, um, and I still want the answer. Um, I I just. Um, I'm giving them the space to give us a story for it. Now, if we get five, ten years down the road and we still don't have that story, this is that is when I will start really becoming angry, because not angry, but up irritated, because it's not uh, getting angry about Star Wars is not <laughs> productive. Um, it's it's a fictional universe. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, and I say that for myself, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to prescribe that on people, but yeah, for me getting angry about Star Wars is not productive. It's, it's a fictional universe. So I will, I will let things lie rather than get angry about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I come down on that. What do you, what about you? Uh, I, I don't like that. It's not explained like that doesn't work for me at all. Like it's a big thing to bring back without in, 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 in film explanation. Cause you know, all this aside of like, oh, well, they'll probably explore it in a book or a comic or whatever. That's not okay. Right. Like, you, that's no, that doesn't work for a movie. And, you know, I think that was a valid complaint in the prequels of Obi Wan and Anakin's relationship never seemed as bonded as people wanted. And it's like, oh, we'll watch the Clone Wars. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't have to, though, right? Like, if you're just a Star Wars film fan who enjoys seeing them, you know, just kind of casually, you shouldn't have to rely on ancillary material. So that so they've already failed. <laughs> like the movie doesn't I mean, I'll read any of that stuff and be excited about it and hope that they can give a solid explanation. But I still feel bad for the people that don't want to just don't care to do that stuff. Right. They don't delve into those things. Right. So it, it fails as a story point. No doubt about it in my book. Um, you know, that like offhanded comment, like you said, from this random new character, <laughs> freaking yeah. mechanic, um, who says uh, who's played by what's that actor's name? Everybody like loves him. Uh, Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, well, I don't even know who the hell he Ma- is. But um, Marietta Grandybuck, uh, Mary from the Lord, Lord of the Rings. Okay, um, it's one of the hobbits. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, because he's the one who says like, oh, you know, uh, cloning Sith alchemy secrets only the Sith knew. It's like, all right, that doesn't count. <laughs> it's not an explanation. No. Um, no. So like you said, I, I think he is like he does a great job of being Palpatine, right? Like there's nothing out of character. Um, I think, you know, and, th- and that's the thing, like after seeing it a few times now, it's it, like you said, Jason, it's just kind of like, all right, I accepted he's here. Um, he's being very Palpatine, which I like. Yes. Um, yes. And I am really fascinated by how dark everything is around him. I and mean, he literally is the devil incarnate. And, and that's what he's always been. Um, yeah. I mean, Leia makes the great point in the movie, you know, when they first find out that it's Palpatine who's back, you know, early on and 
uh, everybody's just like, do we, you know, Rose says, oh, do we believe this? And Leia confirms, you know, he's always been the one in the shadows. Um, and even in the opening crawl, they refer to him as the Phantom Emperor, which is kind of a cool callback to Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, he's there um, and he is, he's throwing the last of his cards on the table. Right, he was always in control up through the OT, um, and never expected to be thrown down that Death Star chasm. Right, like that's obviously right. a huge surprise to him. He he thought his Vader was still just his lapdog, so to be betrayed like that is huge. So in some ways, it makes sense, like you said, Jason, that he has been hiding in the shadows, and literally everything he's doing is in the shadows. I mean, Exe- I love Exegol. I think it's an awesome planet. I think it's very Star Wars. I I really enjoy these crazy Sith loyalists acolytes that are in the, the, you know, Geonosis arena. Um, <laughs> that's just what it makes me think of. Um, okay. Okay. Question, question about that. Yeah. I took the impression that they were really more of like, uh, spirits and things like that. Okay. Um, do you think there's actually real people there? Because yes. I, it, it felt like, um, I think they're people like that, that arena thing kind of just materialized, you know, when, when he wanted it there. See, I think it was there. It was just kind of the lights turned on. So okay. I, I, mean, I don't have a solid answer. That's my take is because a friend of mine asked me that when we were leaving. They're like, oh, were those all the spirits of the Sith? And I'm like, no, those were like Sith loyalists. Like he calls them my faithful, right? Like, don't worry, my faithful. Like th- he's speaking to them like they're people um, rather than spirits. So that's why I just think they are. And even like earlier in the film, right, when they're – they're on uh, Pisana and they get, you know, they fall into the sinking sand and they come across Ochi's speeder and 3PO points out that there's this emblem on it of, of Sith loyalists. So, right, that they're building that they're building that within the story that there is some sort of cult of Sith loyalists. Um, and those are okay. obviously alluded to in the aftermath trilogy as well. Right. There's these these group group of people that are obsessed with Vader and the Sith who are collecting any and all artifacts they can. So true. Um, so that's that's why I think they're people. Again, could be wrong. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, in one of my one of my favorite like visual shots in the movie. Because again, real quick, my biggest pet peeve of the movie still is that JJ does not know how to shoot a Star Wars movie. He he kind of did with Force Awakens, but he really threw it out the window with Rise of Skywalker. It it feels like just a modern action movie the way he uses the camera, and I really dislike that. But. I get over it quickly enough. So um, <laughs> Ryan Johnson, however, did a beautiful job of shooting a Star Wars film. JJ just did his own thing and doesn't look like a Star Wars movie visually. But again, you settle into it. Um, but uh, the shot early in the film when Kylo first goes to Exegol and he puts the lightsaber blade right in his face. I love the way it looks just like this crackling fire right in the face of Palpatine. I mean, it's, it's a great little callback almost to Anakin drawing down on him in revenge of the Sith. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it, and it's the, and kind of in a way to mirror that moment in revenge of the Sith, right. When Anakin draws down on him, it's, it's kind of that, that Jedi upbringing. He knows that this is a bad guy. Like, but he can't follow through on what exactly to do because Palpatine immediately opens up and says, well, if you kill me or if the Jedi kill me, you're going to lose the power to save Padme, right? Like, so he immediately turns this into a huge, the final temptation, if you will, right? The final temptation right. for Anakin is, I know what's troubling you. You need me. I'll help you save her. And then here with Kylo, like I think I said this the last time we talked, but 
with Kylo here at the beginning, it's I can give you the empire. You can become the emperor, the thing that your grandfather Vader couldn't do, right? So that's right. the final temptation there. And then when with, with the lightning striking, the way hit the shadows play off of Palpatine's face in that moment is really cool, I think. It's just very I mean, very, honestly, it it looks like it's two different takes that are flashed back and forth between it? because it's like yeah, it it it's two different facial expressions going on every time the lightning flashes in that scene, which is one reason why I really don't think he's fully alive until later. Um, because it, it really, to me, looks like it's two different faces that they're flashing back and forth between every time they, they have the lightning strike. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird and creepy and disturbing and it's very Palpatine. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, you know, like I, I still, it still doesn't work for me because it's not explained. Um, but with him being in there, I do think it, it works well. He is very Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. It, he, he works as the, the final villain, but the explanation of how he got back there is it needs some work. Right. Shall we say? Right. Um, I mean, again, they failed in the film to do that. There's no fixing right. that there. I mean, the ancillary material, I think, is crucial. And I think like the, like those of us who are like, you know, obviously super invested in Star Wars, um, hopefully we will get that. I think I think we kind of need it in some ways. Um, yeah. But sadly, it failed in the movie. So, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, can I want to move past Palpatine, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. So I want the thing that I like the most about this movie is the consistent theme of chosen family, right? I think yeah. that is the theme that is most explicitly explored in this movie. And it's not new to Star Wars to have this. Um, I think the ex- the way it so explicitly explores it is kind of new, right? Like it's very clear in the OT that these, you know, these, this group of people is kind of a chosen family and it just happened to turn out that Luke and Leia were related. <laughs> um, right, right. And, you know, and I think the failure of the prequels is that, you know, our, our big three of that story, Anakin, Obi-Wan and Padme, they are, they ultimately fail because they all live in a veil of secrecy, right? Anakin's keeping things from Obi-Wan and Padme's keeping things from other senators and Obi-Wan's keeping things from the council about them. Like, so they're, they, they're living in that, that, that veil of secrecy. And that's the problem, right? Like it's that lack of full trust and vulnerability that leads to kind of the downfall of that story in a, in a very simplistic way. Um, whereas in the OT, right, this, this family of Han, Luke and Leia, and obviously then Chewie and the droids, they, fully trust one another. And we get that kind of on steroids in rise of Skywalker, I would say. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm not complaining about it. I love it. You know, um, they do a great job. Uh, it, I think the moment that like endears my heart so much to the, the Poe and Finn character, or excuse me, Poe and Ray is when he first comes back with the Falcon. And I love which, what did you do to Han's ship? What did you do to my droid? <laughs> and, and she goes, you yeah. know what you are? You're difficult. You're a difficult man. I love the way she says that, and the, with that like cute little smile, but it's like a, a pissed yeah. off smile. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just I immediately like, like buy right if, into. If I wasn't their, so nice, I'd punch you in the. Teeth. 
Exactly. Yeah. I, it, it was. It's, yeah. If I, was, if I wasn't so nice, I'd punch you in the teeth. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. That's. Uh, well, and, and oh, it, it was so good. Yeah, and and it's a great moment too of friendship too because they're not afraid to be brutally honest with each other. Like Poe says to her, like, "Listen, this didn't go very well because we needed you. You weren't there, and we need you there, right?" Like, it's it's this great moment where like that's what that's what real friends do. They're not afraid to like kind of get upset with each other. You know, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you care and love one another, but it's okay to get upset with each other and and call them out on what you might see as a misstep or as a way of them falling short of who you think they can be. And I yeah. think, and then even even continues though when she walks over to Finn and she's like, "Bad mood, me? Yeah. No, just, no him. Oh, always, um, <laughs> always." Um, but then he also says he also tells her that we needed you, right? You exactly. Know? It's like he's softer about it in the delivery, yeah. right? But yeah. yeah, he's he's honest about that too. Yeah. So it, it's it, it was a it was a really good scene. It was a really good scene to, to have uh, between the three of them to really kind of set things up for our big three. This movie and yeah. and boy, did we get a lot of them working together, <laughs> which I, just, I loved. Can I just say one more scene that I love between the three of them is when they're on Kajimi, <laughs> and uh, Zori reveals to them that Poe was a spice runner. Poe and, and Finn says, you were a spice runner? You were a stormtrooper? You ran spice? You were a scavenger? We could do this all day. <laughs> I love that moment so much. But yeah, I mean, it's like all these little moments where we just get to see their friendships that have really developed. Um, yeah. And again, this is this is the joy of when you put things with some distance between them, right? Like it's a year after Last Jedi. We can immediately know that they have gotten much closer in that year's time yeah yeah definitely no it it, it was is good stuff and i i mean are is anybody really surprised that poe dameron was a, a spice runner a smuggler are, are we really surprised that that was you know something he used to do i know um i i honestly think ray and finn should have expected it but i mean they're both very innocent characters so uh maybe not i think well, I, I can understand why people don't get it either because I've seen people you know, say, like, I don't get what, where that came from um, because I thought Poe was just in the New Republic. But, you know, I think Poe gets bored yeah. <laughs> on peacetime. And just like I said, you know, I think I said this in the last episode, but I think he just was looking for something fun to do. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it could have been before he was even the New Republic. But that I love that scene between him and Zori, which I, my, my friend Bed did allow me to like realize that this is a balcony scene, which was perfect um, because they're on the roof of that building, which is basically a balcony. So thank you to, to my friend Ben for that. Um, But I love that moment because uh, I think that's where it confirms that he may have been doing some of this stuff, even while in the new Republic, because it's, he basically says that he left and committed himself to the resistance. But, but we already know both from, from books and even from the resistance TV show that Poe was a member of the new Republic. He even says that at the beginning of last Jedi, right? He announces himself to, to Hux as a commander in the new Republic Navy. Um, so he's obviously was part of the new Republic, but I think the resistance is the thing that he really has bought into, right? Like it was, it was what gave him a purpose much deeper. Um, and I liked how he admits that to, to Zori and, I love that they obviously have a history together and Zori is so Poe essentially gets two pep talks in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
And I think they're both very important. Um, you know, post feeling a bit defeated in this moment, you know, everything's just keeps coming up short and he talks about feeling alone and Zori delivers what was probably one of my favorite lines in the movie when she just says they win by making you think you're alone. Right. And then that has that beautiful yeah. payoff at the end when he's, you know, meeting with the rest of the resistance members and he says, we're not alone. Um, it's, I mean, it's so powerful. Yeah, no, it's, it's very good. And, uh, and that's a really great point. And it really is, you know, kind of driving, you know, driving a lot of the, the message of this movie home in that, um, in that line, you know, they, they, you're not alone. It, it, we are not alone. They want you to think you're alone so that you'll give up, you know, but that's, that's not the case. And when that pays off in the final battle, it is glorious. Oh yeah. Uh, that yeah. the shot of the, the fleet, <laughs> the people arriving, um, which I love. I love the line from uh, the the uh, final order officers. You know, Pride's like, you know, where where are they getting all these? They don't have a fleet. And the other guy says, "This isn't a fleet. This is just people. People." Yeah. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's like the King of Pop once said. You know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but I'm not. I love Michael Jackson's music. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's and and that is a great moment when you know they they don't have a fleet. It's not a fleet, sir. It's just people, <laughs> right? Right. Um, yeah, that's that's really wonderful. Um, so, uh, well, really quick, you know, Poe po also gets that second pep talk from Lando. It's I mean, it's a very short pep talk, but. Yeah. Um, that's another one of the most, to me, beautiful moments in, in the movie is when Poe is confessing to Leia's body. And, and I, I mean, I love the way that, um, it's kind of just zoomed in on his face. I do love that his hands are kind of like in that stereotypical praying position. I don't think he's literally praying or anything, but again, just it, like that draws from anyone in the Western world subconscious of like, that's what you do with your hands when you pray. Right. So like, yeah, it makes this moment a little bit sacred, uh, at least in my eyes, um, and he really is. He's just like pouring his heart out about he doesn't know how to do this, right? Like he just doesn't feel like he he can handle this. And then in walks Lando and it just gives him a great piece of advice from his own experience, which is, you know, no one's ever really ready for these sorts of things. Nobody's ready to to act great when horrible circumstances are thrust upon you. But he tells him again, kind of reiterates what Zori told him earlier, which is, you know, um, you know, Poe says, how'd you do it? We had each other, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. they did it because they chose to work together. They chose each other and they chose, uh, you know, to fight this as a, as a family. Um, so I just, I love that moment with Lando and, you know, it makes me want to bring up the idea of the, the legacy characters, right? So the legacy characters all play a pretty prominent role in this movie. Um, yeah. you know, Han and Leia play a very big role. Um, Lando, obviously in that moment and obviously Luke Skywalker, uh, 
in Force Awakens, and I think this is really, I think this is really integral to like Ben's redemption. In the Force Awakens, though, Leia confesses to Han, you know, that we can still save him, me and you. And yeah. Han says, "Well, you know, if I, you know, if Luke couldn't reach him, how could I? Luke was a Jedi. You're his father, right? Like she gives him that great perspective. And, and obviously, when Luke comes back in at the Battle of Crate in Last Jedi, he tells tells Leia, i not here. I'm, I can't save him.'" We all know that he's the reason Ben kind of he's not the main reason, but he's part of the reason Ben fell. Um, so it's, it's right. it needs to fall on someone else. And and again, I think it's, I think J.J. does a great job of tying that back to what he had Leia say in Force Awakens, because it does need to be Han and Leia. And I also think this is a great way of building off of Luke's sacrifice at Crate. Right. Leia saw what Luke was able to do. And she uses the last of her energy. And I just, I was, you know, I'm obviously not happy that Leia died, but I'm not surprised. Like it's hard to keep her alive when the actor, you know, the actor passed. Um, And I think the way Mm -hmm. they have her go out is beautiful and perfect. Um, Of course she goes out giving the last of her energy to do this force projection to get Ben's attention. Um, And, you know, it's, it's there on the death star where, uh, Kylo admits to Ray, like, you know, I wanted to show you who you truly are. You know, the dark side is in your nature, just like it's in mine. And <laughs> you wanted to prove to Leia you're a Jedi, but you, you can't go back to her now, just like I can't. Um, right. In Kylo's mind, who he's become prohibits him from his mother's love. Yeah. And for her to force project to him, that is so beautiful. I think it's so perfect. And of course, that's what gets his attention. This is what he really needs because even though she only says Ben, I'm sure she, and I, I, I firmly believe that this was going to be Leia's big moment had Carrie not passed. I don't think we would have had Han in there at all. Um, I think they asked Harrison to come back because Carrie passed um, and they yeah. needed to flesh that moment out more. I mean, of course, as a diehard Han Solo fan, I love that he's there. Um, but, you know, they they probably don't have that any of that dialogue from Carrie, so all they can have her say is Ben. And yet, just by saying his name, and again, if you don't mind, I'm going to just do a quick little uh, theological point. This is such a <laughs> resurrection moment. In, in the Gospel of John, when Mary is crying at Jesus' tomb, Jesus just calls her name, and it tells us that she turns around, which the Greek word is metanoia, which means, uh, it literally means to turn around, but it also means conversion. Um, so when Leia just simply says his name and he physically turns to her, he's physically putting, I think he, right. He's turning his back on Kylo and you know, that's exactly what happens then with Han Han shows up just as his memory. So this is Ben working this out internally, um, but just in a kind of physical way, which is really beautiful. And he has the same conversation, the conversation he probably wishes he had had back on Force Awakens. And yeah. first off, I love just how Han, the, I mean, the first thing he says, obviously, is, hey, kid, off camera. The first time I was at the movie theater, I was just, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, my heart melted. Um, and then when he says, I miss you, son. Uh, like, again, both Han and Leia see him as Ben still. They see beneath that persona the he's mask. built up. Yeah, they they see beyond that persona he's built up around himself. Like the love of any good parent or parent figure would do. Um and then when Ben says, "Dad, I'm" and he, you know, he can't say it 
But then you just get that iconic. I know. Oh, yeah. It's so perfect. And like, of course, it's the love of, of his parents, the love of the people he even thought could not love him anymore breaks through and breaks down. You know, Kylo Ren is dead. My son is alive. Oh, I love it. I love that yeah. moment. Yeah. And, and it's a really, um, a really nice mirror image of what happened between Luke and Anakin. You know, Luke is the, the, uh, the son redeeming the father. In this case, it's the father and mother redeeming the son, which I think if I recall correctly, was part of George's, uh, you know, overall story idea when he was talking about things, you know, even a while back uh, for, for whatever a sequel trilogy might be, if I recall correctly, that sounds familiar to me. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be mixing things up. Um, but I, I do really like that. And, and that, you know, it, it, yes, it, it serves a functional purpose to, uh, to take Leia out of the movie because we only have so much of her performance from, that we can use um, because she, the, you know, Carrie's not here. Um, but it does so in a way that is both profound and very much in character for her. Um, and, and then we get that great moment, um, you know, afterwards as, as Ben is processing all that, where he, you know, has this conversation with his memory of his father. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's very well done in my opinion. And, uh, the, the fact that that happens so soon after Kylo tells Ray that neither he nor she can go back to Leia now is, you know, just the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Agree a thousand percent. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's really good, and 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 you know, then obviously Luke showing up on Octo. And admitting that he was wrong, um, this is you know I heard people saying that this is purposely like undoing Ryan's story. It's not true at all. It's bringing it to its completion. No. Ryan started a beautiful arc, and we are getting the completion of that. Right, Luke going back to yeah. Kray is him admitting he was wrong. <laughs> you know, like Ryan brought this arc full circle by the end at the Battle of Crate, and now we just need Luke to express that to Ray because she needs to hear it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I, I really appreciate this again, kind of as someone who's loved Star Wars my whole life. And, you know, um, when back in, you know, 2012, when we heard we were getting extra movies and that the big three were coming back, um, you know, I've, I've always had a little bit of disappointment of how they've all been used. Um, and, but this movie actually makes it all kind of worth it to me um, because what they're what they're really doing in this movie is maybe what they should have done in the first movie. But that's a that's a conversation for another time. Um, <laughs> but they are literally passing the torch. Right. And I think there is a value in that. Our, you know, Ryan asked us a very hard question with Last Jedi, and it was a question I hated that he asked, but we needed to hear it, which was what happens when your heroes let you down? Right. What happens yeah. when our legends aren't enough? 
Um, and I think that that's a very valid question, both for the times we live in, but just as a mythological question. It's a great question. What happens when these heroes become fallible again? Because they are fallible. No one's perfect. Um, you know, and we're growing up in an era where we have Legends Luke, where he basically is a demigod, which is also wildly boring in my opinion. Um, so here we have a Luke with a real challenge here with a real human heart again, which is super important. And Ryan asked that hard question of what happens when our legends let us down? Well, maybe sometimes it means that we can still believe in what those legends stood for enough that the legends reclaim that. And they, they teach us from their own experience. They teach us out of their failure as Yoda and Yoda's final instruction to Luke in last Jedi, the greatest teacher failure is they're teaching out of their failure here. Right. Um, specifically Luke, specifically Luke here on Octo, he's finally teaching her in light of his failure, owning up to the mistakes that he made. Um, and I think that's great. I think that's, awesome that you know our legends always matter even when they fall short you know yeah well it and i i like that you said that this is you know the completion of the story um for luke because it is and a lot of what happens with luke in in the rise of or not the rise of the the last jedi is him coming to terms with the failure that he had um with with ben um, and he, he does by the end of the movie, come to realize the way he handled it was wrong. But the problem is, like you said, is Ray is already gone by the time he comes to that realization and learns that lesson from Yoda. Um, and so he, he admits that to, to Leia when he goes to crate, but Ray's not there. And so when Ray decides to go back to Octo, and, you know, try to live out the way that her master did, one of her first master did, because I love how that she calls Leia master in this movie. Yeah, um, so good. So good. Uh, her first master, you know, and, and live out in exile because of who she is, which is what Luke said. Well, you know, Luke said more of what, what I've become, you know, a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, but now she's doing it because of who she is, a Palpatine, and and Luke is there and says, "No, I was wrong." And this is, you know, he doesn't say it, but this is his apology mm. to her. Mm. Like I, I didn't teach you right here. This is this is not the way to do it, and I'm sorry. You know, he doesn't say I'm sorry, but he that that is the implication here, um, which is why he shows her to. Leia's saber and gives her some, you know, final encouragement about all this and says, yeah, we knew. We knew who you were. Yeah. So. So really, can I, can I ask you about that really quick? Yeah. We knew who you were. To me, it seems to imply that he knows that Leia knew. I don't know that Luke did know um, until later. Good point. Um, and I hope that he didn't, because I feel like if he had the, the Luke that we meet on Octo, there's no way in hell he would have even given her a lesson had he known she was a Palpatine. Um, right. Like when she shows up there, he's so reluctant to teach a generation of new Jedi. If he had also known she was a Palpatine, nothing would have brought him around to teaching her anything. I don't think that's true. He doesn't say we knew he says she knew. So I think that's true. It's just Leia that knew. And again, I, I still don't like that. She's a Palpatine. I, don't see my mind necessarily changing on that. 
but overlooking it, this there this is the one moment where it works for me because I love when she says like she's kind of reflecting out loud like she knew who I was and she trained me anyway. And I love how Luke says because she knew your heart, your spirit, right? Like some things are stronger than blood, you know, is what Luke says to her in that moment. And and that's that's the one moment where I'm like, okay, I actually okay, this works for me that she's a Palpatine because. I still would prefer she be a nobody. I think it's still a stronger story point that she be a nobody. But in this moment, I love it that, you know, even though Leia knew who you are a descendant from, she also knows that just because you're their descendant doesn't mean that that's who you are. Right. Um, and she right. saw your heart. And I and I love that. And, you know, what it has it got me thinking about how, again, the the, the beautiful duality of, of her and Ben. So at the beginning of Force Awakens, Laura Santeca says, you know, the First Order rose from the dark side. You did not. Um, right. Ben yeah. is someone who grew up in the light. And it's almost like that light was just so damn bright. It blinded him. Right. Like it, maybe it was too much. Mm -hmm. He could not live up to those expectations, which is part of what leads to his his fall. Whereas kind of, you know, he so he grows up in the light and yet can choose the dark. Whereas Ray, you know, blood bloodline wise, grew up like with dark blood, yet chooses just to be the light, um, for whatever reason. So again, I just kind of like that duality, that you know, it doesn't matter what you grow up as, it doesn't matter what you experience early in life, you can always choose to be different. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Yeah, yeah, no. That's a really great point, and and thank you for clarifying the fact that that uh, Luke says that Leia knew, not not that he knew, because um, that makes more sense now. Um, you've seen it a few more times than I have. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, this is why we go back so much, right? Because these are the things we yeah. miss. Exactly. Um, so, but yeah, no, the the duality of the these two characters um, is is a huge part of this, and. Um, and I do like that fact. And the they don't necessarily turn away from the fact that she was a nobody, that she thought she was a nobody, because uh, you know when when Kylo comes to explain to Ray her her history, um, which is rude, uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> the way rude. he does that. <laughs> uh, but you know, he says you were a nobody because your parents, your your parents were nobody. They chose because they chose to be, yeah. um, which is all Ray knew uh, until until this moment when she finds out the lineage of of her parents and and who she's connected to. Um, and so I, I I don't necessarily think that it takes anything away from her per se. Because it is what she knew. It is what she thought. Mm -hmm. um, it just simply gives her, you know, new um, information that she didn't know, uh, which of course radically changes, you know, who she sees herself as. Um, but it doesn't change any of her story thus far, in my opinion, um, because of the strength of her parents to become nobodies, the strength of her father to completely cut off contact from mm -hmm. his father 
and say, no, I am not going to to be party to this. I am not going to be to, you know, have a family under this. Uh, and then, of course, as, as here's something. Sorry, I'm going to tangent and bring it back to, to the conversation about her parents in a second. In a second, here's something about why I'm beginning to understand a little bit more of what Palpatine is coming back and why I'm not as um, bothered by it in the movie per se. Um, because the when Ray got left on Jack, who she's you know young maybe five or seven or something like that she's she's not very old um but that's still you know long after the events of return of the jedi um but palpatine has sent ochi to go get her to go get his son to get the family and so Palpatine, or this spirit of Palpatine, has been around for a while. Um, and so it, it's taken time and to get to this point. Um, and as he's come back, he's sensed Ray through the Force, I, I suppose. Um, and And so... The fact that he has set that in motion so far in, you know, the past of this this movie uh, leads me to believe that you know he's whatever brought him back has been has taken quite a bit of time and he is still gaining power by the time of uh, the rise of Skywalker. So it wasn't just an overnight thing for him to get to where he was. Um, but that being said, the the strength of her parents to resist that, to leave her and to, you know, they knew they were going to die. I have to think that they knew they were going to die. Uh, when, when they went to, you know, with Ochi, um, that's amazing. And that's what Ray needs to, you know, and I think that's ultimately what she comes to to appreciate about her parents in the end, hopefully. Um, but I think the, the the relationship to Palpatine overshadows that in the moment. But the the strength of her parents in that moment uh, was was her true legacy. Um, in that line, in that bloodline, mm. so. Yeah, and I and I and I think that's something that's overshadowed a lot in the movie, um, but something it's a little moment that I really appreciate. So yeah, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, I still don't understand how Palpatine had a kid. I think it's stupid, but <laughs> I mean, again, I I would hope it's almost like he created a kid or something, like with his weird, crazy Sith magic. Because <laughs> um, it would make sense, like if if he now knows that he's able to like transfer his spirit into people, it might make sense that he wants a younger, you know, version of himself. Um, who knows if maybe that kid, maybe his son was literally his clone. Who knows, right? Like a clone to inhabit at a later date. Who knows? Um, it's all very dark empire, and I just feel like it was a really weird story beat to to bring back um, from <laughs> legends. But hey, that's okay. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. no, that, that definitely that definitely makes some sense. And um uh darn, what was I gonna say? I don't remember. Um but yeah. Anyway, um I know you don't have a lot longer because you've got to get to work and we've yeah. you know, it's the holiday season, so we're busy. And and obviously we're gonna come back to this movie uh again probably next week. <laughs> so um, right. But uh, the, the the last point I wanted to make, because um, I, I think it's the thing in the movie that I really do like a whole, whole lot. And it is the end of that movie when Ray goes back to Tatooine. Um, and she's going there to bury the past, to bury the legends of old. And she's the new hero now. She's the one to, to look us to, to take us into the future. Um, I don't think she's going there to stay at all. I don't buy that for a second. She's not going there to live on Tatooine as a recluse. She's going there to bury the past. She's going back to where it all started to kind of say farewell. The legend of, mm. of yesteryear. I'm going to, I'm going to lay that to rest now. Um, and I, I love that moment so much. And the fact that she takes the name Skywalker, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful to me. Um, she has rejected her Palpatine name because there's nothing to it but toxicity. It was never part of her identity. It was something she literally just learned later in life. She rejects anything that that name might mean for her and takes the name of the people who trained her and specifically Leia treated her like family. Um, yeah. So this is the, to me, it's the most powerful moment of Ray's journey because she gets to claim who she wants to her own identity. Yeah. yeah who she wants to be, who her own identity is. She's and claimed, she, yeah, she claims that identity for herself and yeah. it's, you know, we don't have to be the names we grew up with. We don't have to be, um, the things that people tell us we are. Um, we can choose to be something different and that's what Ray does. She's, she has, it's not a, to me, it's not like her ignoring, the dark past of what she comes from, but it's her having faced it down and saying, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm yeah. a Skywalker. Um, and, and I love that. I, it, it works so well for me. Um, I know yeah. it, I know that that does, that it doesn't work for a lot of people and that's totally fair. Um, and I've seen some, you know, I've, I've seen lots of reasons why that doesn't work for other people. I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of those reasons. Um, they're valid reasons, but to me, it's, it, this is about her claiming her identity. Um, yeah. this is about her choosing what family she wants to be part of. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is at this point is she's the only Skywalker. Yeah. So she can redefine that. You know, if she wants to, this is, you know, she's accepting a family name. This that brings us back to the beginning of the movie on Pasana when the little girl asks to know her family name. Mm -hmm. And she says, I, I don't have one. I'm just Ray. Uh, and then and then she learns her family name is really Palpatine. But she rejects that. Because of all the horrible implications that come with that and the fact that that is not who she is. That is not part of her, her identity. And then through this whole journey of her found family with, with Poe and Finn and Leia and, and learning from Luke and all this stuff, she and, and Han, uh, she has decided, no, 
that's what I want my family name to be. That's what I want my surname to be. I'm going to be Ray Skywalker. Um, and, and at this point, it closes the chapter on the Skywalker story because the Skywalkers that we knew for the rest of the story are all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke and Leia are still going to be there in the Force, and Ben will be in the Force too. Yeah. You know, because we saw him disappear. Um, I think same I think with was, Anakin. I think it was a misstep not to put Ben's Force ghost at the end of the movie, though. I don't know why you would. I agree. I agree. I yeah. fully agree with that. I wanted the three of them there. Yep. Um, it it was beautiful to see Luke and Leia there, Absolutely. but I wanted Ben's you know Ben to apparate in yep. like in Return of the Jedi. I, I wanted that to to be the case. Um, you know, one last farewell. Maybe him, you know, do a little wave or something, but um, I don't know. Give the Han and Lando salute. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, but uh, it, this is this is Ray choosing who she wants to be. This is you know this is this is her in her power. This is in her control. There's no one to. To force an identity on her at this point. There's no one to tell her what is or what isn't. She's like, no, this is mine. This is what I want to be. Yeah. And and the way that she can take that in the future is completely in her hands. Mm-hmm. So uh, because there's no other Skywalker at this point. Right. Well, so. and, and, and two quick comparisons of why I also think this has in a way been explored in Star Wars before. Leia never took the name Skywalker or Solo. She stays with Organa. She's not an Organa by blood, but she chooses to be because those were the that was the family that chose her, raised her in in love, and it's the name she chose chose for herself. Um, yeah, I, and and that and it really validates the spirit of adoption. Um, and and it, and that's to me, it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful yeah. that Leia always kept that name. Also, I would say that this is Ray's "I am a Jedi" moment, like from Luke in Return of the Jedi. Mm. I initially thought it was when you know she and Palpatine are facing down at the, the final battle, and I have all the Sith, and she says, "And I, I am all the Jedi," um, <laughs> which is great. It is a like that's also huge. But I think this is Luke. Luke saying, "I am a Jedi," like my father before me, is him as a man who is a, a, an adult now. Is choosing his identity, choosing who he is in the world. This is yeah. this is that's that moment for Ray to me at the end on Tatooine. Is this is her choosing who she is as an adult woman, as an adult hero, through all she's been through. This is who I am. This is who I claim to be. Um, and I just I love that. I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. No, I I agree, and and that is where the title of the movie comes from the rise of Skywalker. Right. You know, she is now the Skywalker. Yeah. You know, it, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's hers. Right. To do with what she will. And, and it is a beautiful thing. It is a very beautiful thing. And I love that, um, that she does that. And you're right that this is when she has had so many things thrown at her in these movies about who she is, who she should be, why she should do this or why she shouldn't be a Jedi. You know, Luke really didn't want her to become a Jedi Mm -hmm. in the last Jedi, you know, and, and she kept pushing forward in all these things because, you know, she didn't know what else to do. Um, But this is finally 
a moment, you know, where, you know, she's first she's told she's a nobody. Um, now she's told she's a Palpatine and all this stuff. And she's finally deciding to make the choice and say, no, out of everything that I've been through, this is who I want to be. Yeah. And and finally, she makes that choice. And it's it's a very, very beautiful thing. And it, it's very, you know, obviously, she's also honoring, you know, her her teachers in this journey uh, by doing that. But that's that's a side effect of her choice. So, right. Um, it's not why she's making that choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, I mean, I know, like I said, I know that there are people that this really didn't work for. Um, they didn't like it. Um, and again, if, if you're someone listening right now and you're in that camp, Hey, cool, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. (laughs) Um, I just, I just want to say why it works for me. Um, and, and I think it, and I think it works really well in the story, um, because there's a great power to names, um, and the ability to name oneself is something that's very powerful. And this is Ray getting that choice. And this is what she chooses. She chooses that name um, because that's the name of the legacy of the people who have given her her sense of belonging. So yeah, makes sense to me. (laughs) It does. Um, It does. But anyway, you know, again, there's a lot more to say about, about this movie. Um, cause there is so darn much, um, we might have to even start picking out big things. You know, we haven't even talked about the force dyad yet or, nope. um, you know, uh, how important it is that there's this thing called life force that you can transfer, <laughs> you know I mean? The, yeah. the stuff with the yeah. force gets, gets real big in this movie and we've yet to even really dip our toes into it. So more right, to come right. on that soon. And, and, you know, we've, we've barely touched on anything Finn or Poe related, uh, you know, in our, in our episodes. So yeah, no, there's, there's a lot more in this movie that we haven't talked about. And, and I'm looking forward to, to getting to all of that. And, uh, sometime, you know, probably in the new year, we will get all of your thoughts on an episode of the Wampus Lair podcast too. So be thinking about what you want to say and what you liked or what didn't work for you. And as always, keep it respectful. You know, uh, we, we appreciate everyone, you know, everyone's, you know, opinions and disagreements, but we want to keep it civil and uh, kind as we disagree. Right. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Good old Bobo. Oh, oh, Babu freak. Hey, Babu freak. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Steals every scene he's in. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, is there anything else, uh, Carl, that we want to make sure we cover? Anything else you wanted to talk about this? No. Yeah. Like we said, we'll we'll probably be back next week um, at some point, uh, hopefully with Katie. I think she'll be back from all her travels by then. So um, we'd yeah. love to get, you know, get her thoughts on this. And, um, you know, uh, I, I know she, she disagrees with some of the things that we, that worked for us. And Katie has a investment in the sequels that I know I don't. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate her feedback. Um, so I'm looking forward to having her, her back on. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, 
Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything we talked about this episode or anything else that they're thinking about Star Wars-wise, where can they do that? Um, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can find us on Facebook uh, at Wampas Lair Podcast. You can always email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And Katie is on Twitter at Pohotdamren. Yes. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. You got anything else, Carl? Uh, I am Babu Vrick. Ah, perfect. Ah, what if I owe just friends? <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 365, Skywalker Arise. For Carl and Katie, who's not here, we miss you, Katie. I'm Jason. We'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>